The Diamondbacks 2024 season is upon us with pitchers and catchers reporting in a little over a week. You're on the Snakes and the Diamond podcast. We're going to talk about some of the key position player and pitcher battles coming up on spring training. Wes will be here to talk with me about the fifth starter battle between Tommy Henry and Ryan Nelson. The Dominic Fletcher for Christian Mina trade with the Chicago White Sox that went down yesterday. Whether or not the Diamondbacks should carry a long reliever to get some of their starting pitchers some experience at the major league level. And we're going to finish it off with identifying some long-term bullpen conversion candidates that are on the D-backs' current 40-man roster. We'll talk about all that on today's episode of Snakes on the Diamond. All right. And welcome, everyone. I am Michael McDermott. I am part of the Fan Nation's Inside the Diamondbacks writing crew. As I mentioned, we're joined by AZ Snake Pit's Wes Beyer as we're going to talk about the Diamondbacks and their starting pitching candidates. So, Wes... What are you are you excited to talk about? What we have in store for today? Well, yeah, I'm all, I'm always excited to talk to you about Diamondbacks and baseball. I mean, we spring is upon us. We can finally have actual news to discuss instead of just Jock Peterson for you know a week. So, uh, let's get right into it. All right. So the first major topic we'll talk about is the fifth starter battle between. Tommy Henry and Ryan Nelson. So we have our little graphic here between our two pitchers a little bit of a, a little bit of context. We're going to provide some stats. So Tommy Henry last year made 16 starts, 17 appearances overall, pitched 89 innings to a 4.15 ERA with a 17% strikeout rate and a 9% walk rate. You can see all the numbers if you're watching on the screen, but if you're listening in, we have a 1.36 whip and 1.3 home runs per nine innings. Overall, I would say Henry put up pretty average numbers across the board. Whereas we compare to his, we'll take a look at Tommy Henry's stat cast metrics. We're going to show that here. So if you're watching in again, uh, you can see that Tommy Henry relies very much on his breaking ball, both his slider and his curveball had pretty good results in 2024. And we're going to showcase kind of like the stack casting metrics. So pretty a- close to average when it comes to expected ERA, expected batting average, despite only throwing about 90 miles, 90 to 91. But what Henry is pretty good at is forcing chases that results in weak contact. You can see despite the velocity, the high chase rate results in a hard hit ratio that's well above, well below the major league average. And we say below, below is good. In the 89th percentile for hard hit, 54th percentile for barrel. So long story short, Henry is, despite lacking velocity, has an ability to induce weak contact. Whereas we look at Nelson, Nelson, the 2023 season made 27 starts, 29 appearances overall, also pitched in the postseason. The 531 ERA in 144 innings, 96 strikeouts and 46 walks. And you can see in the whip and the home runs per nine, one, four, two whip and 1.5 home runs per nine innings, not nearly as good. Also pulling up uh, Nelson's stack, Nelson's stack cast page. Now, and you can see on Nelson's, there's a lot of blue other than the walks. It's uh, if you base, based on those two metrics, I think we can say for sure that Tommy Henry is, 
best suited yeah. possibly to win this rotation spot? Would you agree or disagree? No, I at this point it, it seems to be like uh, pretty much all but sure that's going to happen. Uh, Mike Hayden has, has said just pretty basically like it's his job to lose. I mean, other than fastball velocity, I think that uh, Henry's the better pitcher right now. Um, so I mean, I, unless he has a terrible spring, I don't I don't see him. I don't see the Diamondbacks going into the start of the year with with anyone else as their their fifth starter. I mean, you could, you know make arguments for Ryan Nelson or uh, some dark horse candidates, but really that just seems the most likely outcome. And you look at uh, like for me, I would say that Henry. Other than like I said, stuff wise, I think Nelson has superior stuff between the two. But Henry, obviously, much more of a polished, polished, more of a polished product. Obviously, at the current yeah. stage of his career, Nelson, obviously, I think needs to show more consistency with his secondary stuff. Whereas Henry is a pitcher that already shows a good feel for landing curveballs and sliders in the right spots to get outs. And it doesn't necessarily show up in strike in the form of strikeouts. It comes in the form of when we pull uh form of weak pop-ups and ground balls. Like Henry's ground ball rate not necessarily high at 36%, but a pop-up rate of 9%, and that's almost one every ten balls in play is a pop-up, which is yeah, basically an automatic out. Yeah, he's we before we uh, started, we were talking about Doug Davis. Uh, I mean, it really it's that seems to be a really great comp in terms of just like their pitching style and just pitching so much above of their status as like what they were as a prospect. Because I really would would not have predicted much of a career for Tommy Henry, you know, a few years ago, and he's he's carving it out pretty nicely. And that that you know weak contact, I uh, you know getting pop ups. Uh, double plays. I mean, the Diamondbacks have good defense behind them. I mean, one of the best defending first baseman, great outfield. Uh, Geraldo uh, Perdomo is Geraldo Perdomo is the back vacuum cleaner at a shortstop or second base. I mean, you really you have uh, some really great defense. Obviously, uh, Moreno is a great catcher, which really works to his favor. I really like the two of them, especially when they uh, you know were playing together as a battery last season. You could see this to how much that aids his, his pitching and i you, you got it you're gonna give it to tommy henry like i mean what's the argument for ryan nelson over tommy henry right now? honestly the only way i see nelson winning this obviously comes down to health yeah because all the all the st- stats and metrics heavily uh heavily yeah. favor henry at this point so i know you mentioned uh henry catching Moreno. i'll pull up those the fastball velocity is really the only argument that you have for for uh for Ryan Nelson. And the thing is, is that like uh the lower velocity to some extent I think works to to Henry's face. I mean, there's some different looks in this rotation, and it's like you know, if he makes it work, I don't see there's really like a problem with it. We're, we're kind of overly biased towards these, you know, flame throwing uh, you know, starting pitchers when that's not always like you know, you're not always gonna get a workhorse flamethrower that doesn't exist anymore. Garrett Cole would like to have a word with you. Garrett Cole doesn't exist. Does, Tell the Yankees fictional. fans he's, that. He's, he's fictional. The Yankees also aren't real. They're not a real team anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, that's so basically... I, you know, come and fight me. I don't, they're, not, they're not real. It's not a real team. 
right. Uh, so obviously the reason we're talking about the fifth star job is the D-backs already have four rotation locks with their starting rotation, which we're going to pull up here on the graphic. We have Zach Gallen, Merrill Kelly, Brandon Fott, and Eduardo Rodriguez as the projected one through four. So the D-backs went out and got Eduardo Rodriguez to a four-year, $80 million deal. We discussed that on a previous episode. We'll put that link down there if you're interested in watch, uh, interested in watching. If you're, but uh, how do you feel about again? Uh, how would you feel about adding Henry versus Nelson to this rotation? The, I mean, the obvious thing that jumps out to you is that uh, you got one left-hander in that rotation. At that point, you really could use a second one. I, the, the rotation's a little too right-handed uh, leaning. Uh, if you, you go with Nelson. So, I mean, I would, I prefer Henry just because he's left-handed. Of course, you just get a different look. Um, but I mean, like that's, I mean, that's really the only thing I can really say kind of compliments what you have there. A little too, too similar pitching style to, to Brandon Fott in some ways. But um, if you, I mean, in terms of just different looks, you know, they, they have kind of a similar uh, low, low velocity, uh, you know, hit, hit your corners, uh, that, that kind of sort of, you know, style, but I mean, it's not, it's not a bad thing. I mean, I just think it, the balance of rotation is a lot better with Tommy Henry versus Ryan Nelson, basically. Yeah. I'm just going to chime in. Brandon Fott's not a pitcher that lacks velocity. It's velocity is pretty close to the major league average. Yeah. I mean, I'm just a left hand you reliever. You know, you know what I'm saying? Left-handed, left-handed starter who, who kind of works around the corners. Uh, you know, actually, you, you do make a good point. Is I always I forget that he had a tick of uh, velocity. Where, I mean, his velocity is greater than when, he, when we were talking about him as a prospect. So, um, you know, maybe maybe Tommy Henry will come back with better. That'd be real nice as if he had uh, an increase of velocity going into this this season. That would that would really help him secure that spot. Other than saying yeah, healthy. When, yeah, when you started the argument, I thought you were going to say Eduardo Rodriguez. Yeah, no. Yeah, Eduardo Rodriguez. No, I don't know. Wouldn't, wouldn't throw I mean, him there, there in that in that in that uh comparison at all. If you look at it, it's like Rodriguez throws ninety two miles an hour, has three different yeah. fast uses three different fastball slider change up. And obviously yeah, Henry's gonna use yeah. uses four just basically the four seamer slider curveball changeup combination. Yeah. I think Nelson just needs more. He needs more time in the minors. He needs to. He needs to develop just more as a pitcher. I don't think he's quite there yet. Yeah, but I don't think you can do much development in Reno. Yeah, either. that's that's always the problem. I, uh, I really, it's going to come down to. I mean, unless Tommy Henry's injured, he has a really. He's going to take a really bad spring for him to to basically, you know, not have that job because his spring training stats don't really mean shit. Yeah, spring train, it's how he's throwing versus the numbers. Like, for example, yeah, um, if the velocity looks good, the movement looks good, slider and the curveball looks sharp, changeup shows a little bit more snappiness to it. I mean, that's Henry's got enough tools to be a number five starter in the yeah. major leagues today. Uh, do you think and he, he would have really been in the postseason rotation if he was healthy? Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. He would. The rotation would have looked a lot better actually having a healthy Tommy Henry in it in the postseason. Uh, do you think anyone really has a chance at all? I mean, let's say something happens, uh, you know, injury-wise to to Henry and Nelson. Who's who do you think stands the best chance of of 
in that hypothetical? I think if you're looking at the, I would say the D-backs are going into camp with, well, obviously they're only going to be choosing between six guys for five rotation spots. But if you're looking at, let's say the short term injury, you lose your down. Yeah, you lose two pitchers to injury. I think you're looking at Slade Ciccone as your number seven starter over Bryce Jarvis, just simply based on track record. Based on track record, Ciccone had... It'd be nice to get Jarvis some work as a starter against... uh, I mean, I don't know who we see initially in the schedule, but if it's against weaker opponents, it's a guy that I might... You might go with Jarvis there, especially if he's already the long man. If it's a long-term injury, it's like, okay, so uh, one of them needs Tommy John. They're out for the year. Who who do you think steps up? I don't think the depth chart changes. Yeah. I say Jarvis and Ciccone both have all both have three options left. And yeah, they didn't have sense. their first option burned last year. So looking at uh so looking at the D back schedule for t- 2024 i believe they open up at home against the colorado rockies it's a good choice for four i believe a four game series from the 28th to the 31st of march you don't need a fifth star anyway so that's okay and then they have three games against the yankees so yes they will need a fifth starter for the opening okay. series okay because they play seven so, games the seven game days to open oh, the season okay. I hear you now. I thought I thought you were saying it's four games and then and then a road trip, but no. If it, it's seven game uh, homestand, yeah, then you're gonna need a fifth starter. Um, yeah, I don't, like he, like you said, I don't really. It doesn't really change the depth chart at all. If, if, even if there's injuries, um, you're you're gonna go. You're, yeah, you go with like Chaconi or or uh, Jarvis. That actually gets into, uh, I think segment two with a long reliever. Because I think Jarvis is probably the guy you want to carry as a long reliever. I'm going to disagree on that one because I think it's going to, when you look at the long reliever here, uh, I think it's just going to come down to who doesn't win the battle, gets the roster spot. Like I said, Nelson doesn't necessarily need time reading unless he literally cannot get major league hitters out, even in a situation that they can kind of script it a little bit more, script his outings a little bit more. Well, of course, uh, I don't know what's more scripted than starting, but you can script his bullpen really for he's the long man, maybe a bulk guy. Yeah, I think. I mean, that, that makes sense. I I think that uh, that probably is the most likely outcome. Uh, if I I mean, I can see some scenarios where you know things, you know, you you get a Henry, you get one of the two in the rotation. If one of them's very ineffective. Then I could see another guy taking that long reliever spot, like you know, like Jarvis in that case. Uh, probably since he has the options, I would not be surprised if he, you know, starts the year in Reno. If he's, if they, I mean, if they don't just convert him to relief, but that's a whole, that's a whole different uh, section there. Um, yeah, I was gonna say all four pitch, all four pitchers that I think could be in the mix for the long, t- uh, the long man is they all have all three options. I think Henry's the only one that doesn't have three options. I think he has two. I'll have to double check. Yeah. It's either one or two. Um, I think I just had his player picture. Nelson didn't spend a lot of time in the minors last year because the rotation disintegrated at points in the regular season where it was Zach Gallon and duct tape at one point. Uh, but yeah, when I look at that, when I'm looking at long reliever, I think it makes sense if you're carrying eight relievers. And there's going to be a camp out probably for the sixth and the seventh spot in the bullpen, depending on how you view the left-handed relievers. 
And if they Henry and, has, uh, has burned a little more than a year of service time, so I think he the very least has well service time doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't. We're looking at options. So Henry's got two. Nelson, Nelson Jarvis, and Tacony should have three. Uh, Henry might have one because he was called up in 2022 and sent was, down. The least. option wasn't burned that year. The option wasn't, wasn't burned, burned in 23. Okay, so yeah, they all three of them. You have a lot of flexibility between you know what how you can construct this roster. Um, I mean, it, actually, it, no, it was 22. The option wasn't burned. I take it back. I think they might have, yeah, might have burned the first option this year. Just enough time in the yeah. minor leagues to burn it. Yeah, if, if any of them has one has less options, it's going to be Henry. Um, doesn't really. I don't think that really changes anything this year. But like I'm like you said, he's very likely to get that uh, the fifth the fifth starter role there. Um, do you do you think the Diamondbacks are going to carry a long reliever? Like I think that. so. It makes a lot of sense because you got a lot. Of, you got a lot of MLB ready starting pitchers, and the rotation is kind of closed off for them. Assuming everyone's healthy at the start of the year, it's like so the rotation's closed off. Yeah. It's like, you're not going to get better if you're not going to get better at facing major league hitters in Reno. That's true. And you and you, if you want to showcase some of these guys, you know, for the trade deadline, if you need to acquire a piece, like you do, want to get them some major league, you know. Uh, some action is so you can, uh, they're not going to, you know, really showcase their talents. Well, in Amarillo or Reno. So it, it would make sense to carry one, you know, as that be yeah, a high leverage long reliever, if it's such a thing. I don't think, I don't think that's going to be the case. There's no such thing as, in my opinion, there's no such thing as a high leverage long reliever. There should be. Why can't you have a guy come in after, you know, your, your starting pitcher has a bad outing. It's a, you know, a game that matters. Okay. Those aren't high leverage. Uh, innings though yeah well you know okay i guess uh i'm trying to only be high leverage if they're entering with the bases loaded and with a one-run lead kind of thing we're talking the middle innings not the late innings yeah yeah i guess they don't have yeah i guess by by nature they are it's a contradiction so uh yeah yeah, that that wouldn't be at all yeah i get what you're saying now but you know what I'm saying is someone could come in, in in a game that matters early on and and eat up those innings and actually not have it just be like, okay, well, we can write this game off. I mean, we saw that in game two last year. Yeah. When Jay Jameson was that guy. Yeah. And that's yeah. The, kind of the point. It's like if you're start, the D-backs starters aren't going to be pushing. They're going to be like 85 to 90 pitches to start the year. You're going to yeah. need someone that could eat up innings if, they're, if their starters are a little inefficient to start the year. Yeah. So yeah, I guess that's the way we would we would we look at this. Is who's the Dre Jameson of this year? Uh, not the downside of having him go back and forth between you know two different roles and ill-defined. Two different but yeah, let's. I who's going to fill that role this this season is really. I think they're going to start with Nelson. I think they're going to start with Nelson. That makes sense. Start with Nelson, and if he struggles, then you bring him down. And you bring up a Jarvis or Sacconi yeah. from Triple A. Um, I think that's how it goes. Yeah, pretty much. Like, I don't think when you look at this fifth starter battle, it's like, I don't think it's a question of roster spots. I think it's a question of who starts, who doesn't on this team. Yeah, that's, there's, that's pretty much the, yeah, there's really like, it's very clear cut there. And of course the uh, moving on to 
big news. Well, I guess you can say a minor news, a relatively minor trade. The D-backs traded outfielder Dominic Fletcher to the Chicago White Sox for right-hand pitcher Christian Mina. Both players being on their respective 40-man roster, so no corresponding roster move necessary. Yeah. So obviously the acquisition of Mina obviously gives the D-backs another starting pitcher, 10 capable starting pitchers on their 40-man roster. However, he's clearly 10th on the depth chart. Yeah, he's, in my opinion, he's a way, he's a ways off. I, uh, I, you know, I, I think it's a great opportunity for for Dominic Fletcher's as a player. Uh, he's not, he's never going to get the opportunity like he will with the White Sox, and I, I hope that he can earn a starting job because I think he has the potential to, you know, to be a an everyday center fielder if given the chance. But he's never ever going to get that chance with the Diamondbacks. So, not when you have Corbin Carroll on your roster. Uh, Mena, I don't know a lot about him. Just looking at his uh, just his peripheral, he has some he has some ridiculous strikeout numbers. The canines that are uh, over ten for the majority of his career, outside of uh, a brief second in Triple uh, A last season where it went down to nine. So it's striking out a batter burning. Um, the strikeout percentage uh, and just like I mean, he wa- he walks a few too oh. many guys, but that's. It's a nice little pickup for Dominic Fletcher. Yeah, I was going to say uh, last year in double A was 28% strikeouts versus 11% walks. And This is a, tw- this is obviously- a 20-year-old, which is more, yeah, even more yeah. noticeable. It's a 20-year-old. So uh, for a 20-year-old yeah, I mean, to hold tw- his own in double A, uh, I would say that a 466 uh, ERA, I mean, that's, 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 holding, that's holding your own there for someone who's 20 years oh. old. We'd be singing the praise of someone that put those numbers up in Amarillo, the four six six ERA, but he was, was pitching in the Southern League versus the yeah. uh, wackiness that is Hodgetown. Yeah, that is that's that is the distinction is not quite uh, quite as bad, um, but I mean just just a twenty year old in Double A is still impressive. Yeah. Also, even, I feel even, like triple Triple A for a stint, so I mean that's even even more of a feather in his cap. The only thing that worries me a little bit is. Uh, might he might have been rushed up to the White Sox system? The White Sox don't yeah. necessarily have a strong farm system. Not at all. I'm curious. Kind of. I'm just gonna sift around to see where. Yeah, the White Sox system is definitely not as good as the Dimex system in comparison. Yeah, that's uh. Where's they? They have. They actually just published the White Sox. Uh, top prospect list on on fan graph uh where do they have him ranked they had him as the he might not be on the nine. list he was on the number nine prospect no, yeah, he's number, number nine, nine. List. and he's only number nine he's, and a I four, think... he's a flat 45 uh future value yeah i was gonna say uh i have him as obviously my system's different than fan grass although it's yeah. heavily in influenced by what fan graph reports are i think i would have him i just have him filling in a dominic fletcher spot at 21 that's that's not a bad ranking i would i would put him uh oh wait i'm not looking at the right the right grades there um yeah no i mean he's uh it, it fills a role i'd put him kind of the same rank as like uh Yilbert Diaz or Dylan Ray where I don't really have enough information my real probably around 20 15 to 20 range is 15 would be this highest I'd rank him 
but I haven't really, I haven't really dug into it enough to, to say that confidently. I probably put him about where he, where you put him. Uh, yeah. So based on the just, grace just, that Fangrask is just outside the top 20. So let's say it gives him a fastball for, uh, future uh, projection fastball 45 th- uh, slider curveball changeup a 55 or better with 60 command, which is to me is a f- three to four starter. Although there's still significant reliever risk in that profile as you look at the walk rates. Yeah, I mean it's, it's fluctuating. I mean they're not the real the real positive there is that he's young. There's a lot of room for present. He probably was rushed. I. Uh, I think I I like to think that the Diamondbacks have a better handle on developing pitchers than the White Sox at this point. I mean, the last the last guy that they uh, developed was Quintana, I think. Um, so uh, I'm, not not super com- I'm not. I'm not Dylan's, super confident. Unless you want to count. Dil- well, Dylan, wait, no, Dylan C spent most more time in the Cubs system than the White Sox. System. Yeah, yeah, exactly. See, Actually, he was in that trade. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like Cease was trade was in the Quintana trade. Yeah, oh yeah, I guess he was. You're right. Uh, that's an odd. Uh, so that's really kind of they haven't really like drafted it and developed pitching all that well. I would hope. I mean, he's got the stuff that people will it's, bring it's up Chris intriguing. Sale. Obviously, it's not a nothing pitcher as far as I'm concerned. Like that's an he's an actually needs to be an actual prospect. So it's nice that uh, it's a nice return for Dominic Fletcher. I actually I give that like a B B minus trade right now. Uh, it could be a lot better. Could be a lot worse, depending on how each of them do. But right now, what would you give the trade? I give it. A, I give it a B plus. So like I said, Fletcher's blocked from blocked yeah. because the car. Uh, obviously, I wrote. Obviously, I, there's Fletcher. I would have had as a candidate for the fourth outfielder spot, but it was like a long shot to make the team because there's not really much of a reason to play him over McCarthy. McCarthy has better tools, better yeah. tools, and a longer track record at the major league level. Uh, we forget that McCarthy is not that far removed from a fourth place rookie of the year finish. Yeah. Finishing is in his offensive skill set is tailor made for Chase Field. Like with those deep gaps, like McCarthy should lead the trip league should if he gets enough at bats, would lead the league in triples. Yeah. So as far as not like Carroll, goes, McCarthy would. This just gives uh, I mean it's more likely that we'll see Jorge Barosa get some action, you know, at the major league level this year. I would assume that they're going to, they're going to take a long look at him at some point in 2024. Yeah, I was going to say, bro. And D-backs actually can afford to trade Fletcher because they have some decent left-handed hitting outfield death. Obviously, yeah. Burroughs is one of them as a switch hitter. And because yeah. he's a switch hitter, I actually like him better than McCarthy if they want to go with a right-handed hitting option as their fourth outfielder. Yeah, I agree. I was just going to say. Uh, Even though yeah, McCarthy nice doesn't thing. necessarily have significant platoon splits right versus left, which I guess is both a good thing and a bad thing, depending on your outlook of such a thing. Well, I mean, I mean, if you're just going Dominic Fletcher to Jorge Barosa, like this, this being a switch hitter is, uh, that's an upgrade for the Diamondbacks right there. I, although we don't know what is, is Barosa's upside, he kind of has been. I mean, they're all, they're all, they're been, all right, right around the same. Ranked, they're all around the same, but Barosa's had a better reputation coming up than Fletcher's had. I would say. I wouldn't say Fletcher's had a poor reputation going up through the system. No, no, not at all. I'm just saying Barosa has had- slightly better ranking. Consistently, I was going to say Barossa really didn't pop until the last two years as a prospect. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just you know he said always seemed like that the tools that that uh, Barossa has yeah, always. Barossa definitely has a higher attention. ceiling than 
Fletcher's yeah. a fourth outfielder, but that's all he'll ever be. Whereas uh, McCarthy still has a chance to develop into a starter if he yeah. can get, do more damage against right-hand pitching. I think that's the. I think that's really the flaw in McCarthy's game is he doesn't. He, when he has platoon advantage, he should be doing more damage. Yeah. Like you'll take a guy, you'll take a left-handed outfielder that has a seven eleven career OPS against lefties. Like okay, that's he's not unplayable. Uh, Problem is he's got a seven eleven OPS against right-handed pitching, and that for a left-handed bat that yeah, is unplayable. Yeah, that is absolutely not the. I think there's still hope for Jake McCarthy, and that's the thing. Uh, you're you're better off. I think it, it was the right move to make, and I think that you know it yeah. it should be it should be a win-win. Hopefully, if they can develop uh, Mena into. You know, yeah, I mean, does, uh, pitches any significant worst, innings. At worst, he's D-backs. probably a reliever. Is you know, I would, I would, I, that's my assessment of Mena is he's most likely a reliever. Worst case scenario, you have a guy who's you know your, you know, setup guy, or you know never makes major, or never makes the major leagues at all. That's always the worst case scenario. Yeah, since he's on D-backs forty man roster, he's gonna probably see some some time probably. at some point. Just not next year. Yeah. But uh, I'm kind of talking about the left-handed hitting outfield depth. Caleb Roberts is coming off a big year in double A. So if you're talking about depth, he's a guy that moves up a spot. And Roberts is a borderline top 30 prospect in the system, depending on who you who you list it. I think yeah. I think he just missed the cut in my on my list. I actually wrote a report about Roberts because uh, I had him at 30 when before the international signings broke uh, came out. Yeah. And then also the D-backs with Christian Robinson also being a prospect again. D-backs yeah. have a little bit more outfield prospect depth to work with. Although that, I'd say Robinson is far behind the rest of them. I, I'm sure that's part of the motivation for trading Fletcher was it's definitely an area where like we you need to take a look at a Christian Robinson and Caleb Roberts, uh, you know, J.D. Durazio. I mean, and the thing is, is Roberts has more positional flexibility than than Fletcher. You can, you know, I know you. If you had to, you could throw him at, you know, break in case of emergency. Put him at, you know, catcher or even middle infield. Honestly, first base, not middle infield though. First base. Uh, and he's a left-handed bat. So, but then again, by the time Roberts is ready to be yeah. a consistent presence on the roster, Walker's a free agent. Yeah, but the exactly. D-backs future first base options are all basically right-handed in their system. So, and then uh, you look at Rob Roberts is obviously a, a platoon bat in the making, but you'll take a left-handed platoon bat. If you're not sure about a position. Yeah, that's, that's he's, more than acceptable. Yeah. He's like the ideal 26th man on your roster kind of thing. Your 13th, your 13th position player. Cause of that positional flexibility, being able to play, uh, three of the four corner spots and catch in an emergency. Uh, Is there any, uh, any other segments? I don't know if there's any other big news that we need to talk about before we oh, yeah. about wrap yeah, it let's up. Just, yeah, let's get to the bull. Let's talk about bullpen conversion candidates. So obviously the D-backs have uh, 11 pitchers on their 40-man roster that would still qualify as starting pitchers depending on how you view J- Dre Jameson, but obviously Jameson's not going to throw any meaningful pitches in 24. Yeah. By the time he's done with his rehab, postseason's going to be over anyway. Which is why yeah. they delayed it, delayed the surgery as long as they did. It's a, it's a non-factor could, right now. Yeah, he's a non-factor for regular and postseason 2024, but 
Uh, obviously, the D-backs have some guys that could transition to bullpen. If you look at the 40-man roster, obviously, we mentioned Ciccone Jar- and Jarvis as potential long relief candidates. But also, you look at... Uh, I think you can also look at Blake Walson as a possible conversion candidate, although... Yeah. Depending on which version of Walson you get, maybe not. Yeah. Like if Walson's stuff comes back, he's probably top five, one of your top five pitchers for twenty five. Yeah, I mean, it's not really a guy that I would put in this. Like he's he's more in that that gray area right now where it's going to be a wait and see what he what what Blake Walson shows up uh, yeah. in spring training. So we, you don't really know yet. Uh, there's guys like like uh, Lynn who I wouldn't I wouldn't go there quite yet. Uh, you want to see you know just as a, as a I think the potential is there as a starter. Uh, although uh, as a reliever, I there's some he'd be a very very effective reliever if he's uh, if that allows him to bump his if his velocity enough. And then you have guys that you know are probably going to end up being relievers like Yilbert uh, uh, Diaz. Um, like I don't think he's going to work as out as a starter. He's just doesn't have the even Maine is actually another guy who could who could you know be a candidate for for relief just with the velocity you know velocity strikeouts uh you know what I'm saying yeah I was saying Yilbert Diaz it's 2024 it's gonna be a big big year big year to determine if he can develop a third pitch and a lot of the bullpen conversion guys are guys usually that have two very good pitches but can't develop a third if they don't have a use a third pitch, and you know, talking about three different pitches to three different velocities, you can throw to three different locations. And if you look at, like, yeah. say, for example, Zach Gallon, although Gallon's off secondary stuff is typically all around the same velocity, you get ni- mid 90s with the fast, low to mid 90s fastball, 92, 96, and then you have the yeah. curveball in the low 80s. You got mid 80s changeup, uh, upper 80s cutter. Yeah. Although the cutter can kind of turn into a slider a little bit if he turns it over a little bit more. I, the, the real question there is with a lot of these 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 uh, pitchers is it, can they develop that you know that third pitch or you know in some cases fourth pitch in some cases their second pitch some cases it's just fastball and that's it. Uh, hey, look at you know Nelson. So as yeah, an example of the latter. Yeah, exactly. Nelson Jameson, obviously. Like obviously, I think Dre Jameson should just be put in the bullpen full time once he's healthy. Yeah, I think that's because he's gonna be makes sense honestly you were talking about a multi-inning high leverage reliever that's exactly what he should be yeah that that actually i could i could see him uh develop into that kind of that's actually would be a good a good use of his um of his tools and then for some for some i think that like like walston ideally you want him as a starter because he has he has the repertoire of, of different pitches where you can get different, you know, mix it up enough to last and go, you know, eat innings because, you know, in the third, you know, the third, fourth, fifth, the third time well, around. I don't pitches eating, a fifth you know, time. Yeah, well, yeah, what I'm saying, I, I was going to say inning initially, but I'm saying that the, the second or third time through the rotate, you know, through the, the batting order, yeah. you can offer them, you know, different pitches. Uh, same thing with Lynn. As Lynn throws enough pitch, different pitches that, you know, it, it, does it really make sense to, to have him as a reliever? I don't think it does. I think that's a waste of his talent. But conversely, he has such low low velocity that could converting him to relief, you know, bump that up to a level where his stuff is just absolutely filthy. Maybe. 
Well, the reason I don't think Lynn needs to move to the bullpen is he can throw. He can change speeds yeah, effectively. I mean, He's got yeah, exactly. seven different pitches that he can use. And I'm serious. It's like four seam, two seamer, cutter, yeah, curveball, slider, change up. He throws, every, he throws everything. That's a waste of his talent to have him as, you know, a reliever. He can mix it up. But then yeah, again, exactly. I don't think Lynn's a guy who can hold his stuff three times through an order. But that's a diff- that's a different that's, question. That's, that's a if different you're talking thing. like a four or five star, you don't really care that much. Yeah, you don't you don't care in that case. I mean, really, the guys that I would look at for converting to relief are the ones who have a limited repertoire of pitches. It's like fastball. Yeah. They've got fastball and not much else. Okay, that's the guy. Fastball, that I'm good breaking ball. Yeah, like you look at a Nelson or Sacconi in that department. Yeah, uh, those are or maybe those a are guy. Examples for that. Sacconi, I think, would be, ex- would be a, a nasty closer. I think he he would be absolutely filthy coming into end the game. Yeah, Jack agrees with that one. Also, uh, I've been saying it since he was drafted. Actually, also a guy maybe who doesn't have a great fastball like Jarvis, where you can, or who has to, but nasty secondary stuff. Maybe you limit the times through the exposure for a guy like yeah. Jarvis. You maybe you put him in the and like Jameson could be a multi inning high leverage guy. Yeah, that's that seems like that. I mean with. Like having multiple one, guys out there is not a is not illegal. Yeah, that's that's not bad to have a you know if you if you can have every reliever go more than an inning and be capable of throwing multiple effective innings, you would. Yeah, although the downside is up downs. I think you don't want necessarily having when you throw back to back games. Yeah. Although ideally, you don't have to use the same relievers two to three times in a series because then you have the time. There's a penalty for that when you. And the D-backs suffered that penalty pretty hard in the World Series, too. Yeah, I mean, we we really saw the the flaws of the team. I think in the World Series, and it's it's that bullpen. It's still there's still room for improvement, and I think that like we have enough good young pitchers that they they should be able to put together a much better uh, relief core this year. I think as also when you see more talent come up, and guys are running out of time. Like for example. Uh, you only have so many options with certain players. Now, of course, all the starting pitcher candidates have multiple options left. But yeah. And you look at the system, obviously, Lynn's coming up at the end of the season, possibly. And then you got Dylan Ray, who's not that far behind as well. Yeah, those, those are the top two are... arms in the system. They yeah. may draft a pitcher as well that might shoot up the system quickly. Based on what yeah. how the draft unfolds, that could happen. Yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, we like we have three. Uh, we don't have a really high pick, but we have three. You know, day one, day one picks right at the end, and that's uh, that you definitely could find some guys that if, if they're willing to, you know, if they just draft wisely and they're willing, you know, to go over slot on, you know, you know, to get someone who falls enough. I, I could see them getting a, a, an impact pitcher that rises quickly. Yeah. Yeah, because the way I look at it, the backs have a lot of either bottom of the rotation type starters or future bullpen candidates. Not a lot of upside with their pitching necessarily, yeah. but they have a lot of guys I think that could be on a major league roster. And at the end of the day, you can only carry five starters, maybe six. Yeah. Maybe if you wanted to go to a six man rotation, but a six man rotation also depletes your bullpen death because you have one less reliever. Yeah, I mean, that's the it's the game is changing. It's really like, we're, we're still in that transitional uh, part of the, you know, we're in that transitional period where they, the roles of, you know, what is 
an enemy eater, for instance, like that's changed. Like you can't like how many, like, were there anyone like there's years where we it's don't not- have any 200 inning pitchers. Like it just doesn't happen anymore. Uh, yeah. You're lucky if you have, if you have one at all, we're lucky to have one kind of with, with gallon, but that's not something that you can expect when you're developing pitching anymore. So some of it is reframing your expectations of what you're getting out of these starters. But I mean, it's, I mean, the innings right now, 180. yeah. So, but right now the real strength of the system is you have, you know, we have, I think we have a really great group of position players that they drafted. I really love Tommy Droy. I love Gino Groover. I think Jack Hurley is a guy who could, who could be a, you know, a Jake McCarthy or a Dominic Fletcher kind of, you know, player, you know, there's a nice group of young, of, of uh, position players. There's a couple, uh, like Caden Grice, I guess he's technically going to be both a hitter and a pitcher, but really you have much more of a, a hitting class this year. I would expect them almost to take a little bit more pitching than hitting this year if it's available. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about the draft when that comes around. But college season is, is just, just start. It's just starting, but we'll be, we'll be here six, four months from now when uh, they, they have the draft. Five months from now. Five months. Yeah. So all star weekend. Thanks for watching, everyone. Uh, If you enjoyed it, make sure to hit that subscribe button. Leave a like on the video. Closing in on 200 subs. Once we get to 500, we get to unlock some features here on YouTube and uh, find other ways to talk about the D-backs. But anyway, if you're also listening in on your favorite podcasting platform, give us a five-star review. Review. uh, Include what, what you find the most interesting about the podcast. So anyway, like I said, closing it up here. Uh, Wes, you have any final thoughts? Do you feel, uh, how you feel about the uh, starting pitching depth going into the season? I, uh, for once, I'm 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 actually somewhat satisfied with what uh, a Diamondbacks general manager uh, has done during the off season, and I'm I'm very happy for the first time in my life, like, warm and fuzzies. So, and thank you for watching, everyone. I really we appreciate you, your views and. I uh, come in to listen to us talk. All right. So next episode, we're going to talk about the other camp battles. Obviously, I think we kind of talked about the fourth outfield thing, but also the bullpen backup catcher and shorts and middle infield is where we're going to be focusing in on next time. So thanks again.